This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. Come with an attitude of, I can help this person, I can give, not just that I'm going to get. That's Ryan Carlson on this episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello, this is Larry Gates. Welcome you to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Armin Asadi. We are so glad you are joining us today for another episode to put your faith to work and your bold ideas to life. And I am so excited, Armin, uh, to have my good friend, Ryan Carlson, joining us on the podcast today. Ryan is one of those guys who I think is a master networker, and you've met him, right, Armin, uh, some time ago? I have. Yeah. Master networked me, so I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. And I'll tell you, uh, I thought about Ryan because, in fact, I just had a lunch with him. It was a great lunch, and I I, I thought about Ryan because uh, a guy was networked to me, and honestly, I didn't know what to do with them, so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But but I thought about <laughs> Ryan immediately, and I thought, well, you know, there's a master networker, and probably this is a topic we need to talk about. Ryan, since 2003, has been advising companies uh, ranging in size from startups to Fortune 50 on how to bolster their financial performance to improve working capital, re-engineering processes, better leverage ERP systems, optimizing payment, and more. To do all that, you got to be a good networker. And if Ryan is part of BMO Harris Bank as the director of Treasury and Payment Services uh, back in uh, August 2016. He joined them, and he was 13 years at another well-recognized financial institution. He's a passionate networker, as I've already said. One of the guys that has just really helped me tremendously. And Armin, I know you and I both consider ourselves fairly savvy, I and mean, we're not at the top of our networking game, but we're pretty well-networked. I know certainly that's true of you. I was networked into you by my son who said, you know, here's somebody you need to meet. And uh, and yet we have Ryan here at the table who's really a master networker as far as I'm concerned. So happy to have Ryan join us on this podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Larry. Thank you very much. Thanks, Armin. Yeah, great to to have have you. you, Yeah, so so good to have you. Right, now we want to just have a conversation between the three of us about how we can develop our networking superpower. So we got... You know, the three of us who've been out stomping about for networking, and and maybe if you're listening to this program, you're a networking superpower yourself, uh, or maybe you're just trying to figure out how to get going, or maybe you're looking for some tips. So we hope that this episode will will help you do just that. I want to start off and kick off the conversation with a question to you, Ryan, and that is... You know, you get out a lot and meet a lot of people, and I know that you do a lot in group settings where you're introducing yourself to people for the first time. Now, inevitably, the first question that people ask is, you know, who are you and what do you do? And what do you like to tell them? Well, that's a great question. I think uh, it comes back to the fact that when you are networking, you want to make sure you do have a story. And your story can be modified slightly based on who you're meeting with. But at the end of the day, you really want to have a story. And so I like to tell more than just my bio, which you've read. I like to tell the individual, you know, perhaps why I'm there, why we're together, why I reached out to them. And I love to tell a little story about how I got started in networking, because if that's why this person and I are sitting down, inevitably that's uh, why we're both there. And so, 
the story I like to tell is how I got started and how I got so passionate about it, which is really learning from my dad. My dad is uh, by far the best mentor I've had as it relates to networking. And what I found my dad doing growing up in a small town is really giving back to those that gave to him. So he ran a commercial insurance agency. And inevitably what he would do is anytime somebody would buy from him, or even if they wouldn't buy from him, he would do everything he could to bolster the businesses in my hometown of Wadena. And I can remember even one time him buying a car from the local dealership. And I asked him, Dad, I think you could have probably got that a lot cheaper somewhere else and maybe even a better version or what have you. And he said, Ryan, that's not really important. What's important to me is taking care of those who've taken care of us. Mm. And so I think it's a great... Uh, a great thing to keep in mind, but that's really a story I like to lead with, and it typically leads to where did you grow up and things like that. I love that, and you know, you practiced that just when we had lunch. You picked a spot I've never been to before, a local restaurant, and that was one of the things that you said to me. I I like to look for the local restaurants and support the local mom pas that are trying to do their their best to improve their communities. Yeah, I think it's the small town in me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Armin, what do you tell people when you uh, when they first ask you what you do? How do you start off a conversation? I'm a former terrorist, redeemed. <laughs> That's great. Just kidding. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a way that I start. I think I, I I'm just filled with so much curiosity, and it's such genuine curiosity that I think people can tell that whatever I'm asking, I really want to know, and I don't really have an agenda and. My questions have very little to do with what they do and more to do with who they are, which kind of can make the conversation a little awkward when people aren't used to it. But I'm good with awkward and kind of enjoy the awkwardness. So it usually ends out well. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's that's funny, Larry, if I can jump in there. I, I, I remember noticing that about Armin the first time I met him. He likes to make it awkward. (laughs) <laughs> it certainly makes it memorable, doesn't it? <laughs> no, but I love I love uh, uh, focusing on who they are as opposed to what they do. So important. And um, the other thing that I love that Armin just said is how important it is to come with an open mind and really an interest in learning more about that person than having them learn about you. It's sort of the old adage, be interested, not interesting. Now, I think you have to be interesting to some degree. But being interested is much more important. Oh yeah. Well, what what is? I, I'm actually curious, Ryan. So what what beyond your dad? What what was the thing that really sparked your passion for networking? I guess I missed that piece. Yeah, you know, I think it did have a lot to do with growing up in a small town and really seeing how valuable the local networking was not just what my dad was doing but his business counterparts and so forth and seeing how it drove the local community and the uh, the economy um, but I think the other thing is that you know I, I saw my dad do it and then all of a sudden I found myself my first real sales role was as a recruiter a headhunter hmm. and I quickly learned how important it was to not only meet and get to understand the person with whom you're interviewing, but also find out who they might know or who else they're speaking with and how important that is and how quickly that can make the world seem a lot smaller and help you get to where you need to be to affect change. And so, um, I don't know, I guess maybe just over time. And then the more I did it, I sense, I think I sort of 
began this passion around helping people find uh, their purpose and their career as a headhunter and a recruiter. And it sort of just stuck over the years to, to this day, you know, literally this week already. I've done a couple of these where I've met with individuals who are between jobs. And so it just became sort of natural and something that I was really interested in. We've all sat there before where on the other side of the desk, we're the ones searching for our job. And it's really hard if the person on the other side isn't willing to help you. And so I think that's really what sparked it for me, Armin. You know, and I think it's that value that you possess, Ryan, that made me think of you with this guy that I met that was in between opportunities. And I, I like you, I like to try to help people by giving them a meaningful connection. And to be honest, I was like really trying hard to find somebody in the space that he wanted to go that could be helpful for him to connect with. And I was, I was coming up empty, but then I knew, you know, about your value there in helping people who are kind of in transition. And I know that if I don't know where to send somebody, perhaps you do. And, and I know that I have been on the receiving end, which felt to me like people were just dumping a networking connection to me. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know what you'd do with you, so go see Larry, you know. And I felt like, boy, I didn't want to abuse that with you, Ryan. But I know you were just like immediately receptive and, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be helpful to him. But it made me think about this whole question of networking. Like, you know, you want to be helpful to push somebody along, but also you want to be respectful of the people to whom you introduce somebody who you don't really know all that well to your network. How do you balance those things? Let's talk about that between us. Well, that's interesting. I was just going to throw a similar question to you, Larry and Armin. <laughs> so you're, we're thinking along the same way there. You know, I, I'm curious what you you two do. Um, but in by and large, I actually don't ask before I make an introduction, unless I have a relationship that isn't quite as strong, or, you know, I know there's only so many tokens, if you will, I have to play with that individual. Otherwise, I'm very, um, as long as I get a good read on somebody, and I feel like I've got a good sense on a person that would be of value to them and vice versa. A lot of times I don't ask, and it has gotten me in trouble before. I can remember one particular situation, but by and large, it doesn't happen. And I think it's because as long as you lay that groundwork up front, but also build trust with the individual to whom you're going to refer people, a lot of times it's okay. But again, if you haven't built that trust and laid the groundwork, it can backfire. So I'm curious what you two do. Do you ask before you make those introductions or how do you do it? Boy, now you're hitting a soft zone for me because I was doing exactly what you're doing up until I would say about eight months ago. And then um, I really upset somebody who I had a very trusted relationship with by just directly introducing a third party to them that I felt was like a perfect alignment. And, uh, and he really took offense of my presumption of his interest. And uh, so that I've really learned that even though I might think that there's an interest, I need to just still check. And so uh, one of the questions I ask myself when I do uh, introduce people, uh, if for in instance, the guy that I, as you know, that I introduced to you, uh, Ryan, I didn't do it without your consent uh, ahead of time. And I didn't expect that you wouldn't not give it. But I'm, I'm now have swung to the other side where I will pre-approve, get pre-approval of an introduction before I make it. Yeah, that I pretty much do the same sense. thing. I think the pre-approval process just saves a lot of pain and agony um, for especially 
the more successful people, the people who have uh, achieved a higher status in life in terms of business profession, um, I've realized those are the people you, you, they're very protective of their time more than anything else. Um, they're more eager to give away money or anything else other than their time. So when it comes to time, I've realized they're very protective of it. And if they have protocols in place, I'm just going to go through those protocols before I set up a meeting, even if it means uh, connecting with their assistant first or whatever it might be. I just feel like it saves so much uh, time, energy and unnecessary conflict. Well, I know and I appreciate it when like I have a, a particular friend who is a hyper connector. And by I mean hyper connector, I mean he like knows a gazillion people, but what he doesn't have is a good screener filter. So I mean he meets everybody and he thinks everybody ought to converge onto me. <laughs> and so, you know, part of what I trust in my network is that they act as a bit of a filter, you know, so they're not going to request me to meet with somebody unless there's a good alignment and a good you know reason to do that otherwise you know your time would be just wasted um and so i have to be particularly careful with this uh person and i had to basically tell him and he does this i had to basically tell him look i need you to screen your uh your connection requests and and not just blindly send them to me um let's have a conversation or let's have a quick email exchange about it before you assume that i can take the time and meet with everybody that just might want to meet. Yeah, it's probably smart. I mean, especially if someone is a hyper networker, like you're saying, and you're, you're going to meet a ridiculous amount of people. And if the same few people always come to mind as to uh, who they should be connecting these people to, I mean, there's, there's only so many amount of times I can imagine a person saying, yes, I'll meet with someone especially if it's going to be once a week or twice a week. It just seems extremely yeah, have, overwhelming. You, you get a, two or three of those kind of friends, and you don't you don't need friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, <it's> like... <laughs> so true. No, oh, you guys man. have really taught me something to think about here. I appreciate that. Oh, wait a minute. We brought you on the podcast be because you were going to teach us. Come on. <laughs> so here's I'm what I'm actually quite, uh, curious about is – um, and, and, and I'm posing this between you two. So uh, in terms of habits that someone should practice or learn to be a good networker, what would you see that, say those habits should be? Yeah, that is a great question. I, I do think it comes back to what we started or we talked about earlier, which is uh, really be interested, not interesting. I watched a really good TED Talk the other day that I can provide you for your show notes. And it was really, really interesting. And, and this individual talked about the importance of listening. And I think that's probably the most important thing is that you come with an open mind and come with a sort of a listening idea. Uh, I think the other thing, though, up front is, and we just kind of got off this topic here, but it's really determining what is your objective and who can help you with that objective. So if your objective, for example, because it's an easy one, is to find a new job, well, then you need to create a strategy around how can I get to where I want to be and who can help me get there. So I think having uh, an objective and a strategy and then ultimately coming with an, kind of an open mind is super helpful. But the most or one of the most important things that I've also found, and I learned this from Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, is 
give, 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 then ask. I actually, a lot of times, go too far where I give, 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 and then forget to ask. Uh, I figure maybe someday, you know, a year, two, five, ten years down the road, I will ask, and I've done that in some cases, but come with an attitude of, I can help this person, I can give, not just that I'm going to get. I'm sure the three of us have all, I know that I know I have, I'm sure the two of you have also sat down with an individual where the conversation is completely one-sided around me, 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 this is what I want, how can you help me? Mm-hmm. None of us like that. And so those are the thoughts I'd add. How about you, Larry? Well, I agree with that one for sure because I, you know, I kind of put it in the how can I help them be better after visiting me with me than before. In other words, how can I improve their experience because they were with me? And so finding some way to serve them. One of the things that I found a lot of times people ask in a, in a networking session and they, or a, a meeting, they might want to do that very thing. And they ask the question, how can I help? Well, I think that's a lazy question. Uh, unless, you know, there's a context for it, um, I really think it's better to suggest some ways that you might be able to help. It really forces you to listen and to probe and to try to understand what their needs are. Just blindly saying, how can I help, <laughs> makes them have to do the work to figure out what it is that you're good at and you totally. would be willing to do. And it says <laughs> that you're not really listening as a networker. And I think you pointed that out, Ryan, to show interest is more important than being interesting. And when we stop to listen and we can suggest ways that we might be able to help, boy, that is a lot more powerful. Um, and I think that's one question to avoid is don't ask the how can I help. Practice how you can help. I think that's a big difference. That's a perfect, perfect segue for the next question I had in my head is, are there good and bad questions? Well, I gave you my answer. <laughs> so add to it though like okay so we know there's a bad question what are what I, I think this is really helpful for the person that really struggles with networking in a social context or whatever it might be where it actually just helps them having certain canned questions in the back of their head that they know they can just pull that question out and use it uh, especially if they're really nervous or really anxious as soon as they engage in conversation well, I certainly do think that you, at some point, you know, will get to or need to get to the kind of the what do you do question. But I think what's more interesting than the what do you do question is what type of people do you interact with? What do you, what does your day look like? What does your week look like? And really from that, you know, if, if I'm on the, I want to, you know, I, I've targeted this person as somebody that I think can help benefit me. Um, I'm trying to, you know, sort of determine what types of individuals or particular individuals that they might know that that I that, that can help me. Conversely, you might just flip the question: um, What kind of people would you like to interact with? That's great. What type of people would you like to meet? And the thing that I always, the advice I always give career changers is, it kind of comes back to Larry's point. It's you know, do the work ahead of time. Don't come and sit down with, with me or somebody like the two of you and say, I'm looking for a job. This is kind of what I'd like to do. That's, that's helpful to a degree, but what's way more helpful is I have 10 target companies that I'd really like yes. to meet. Yes, and I know do you're you, connected to these right. three. Yes, because yes. I've looked at do your the LinkedIn homework in profile. Advance. Yes. 
You know, that's totally a, agree. That's a great point, and it made me think about a pet peeve that I have when I meet with people that are in job transition, and I know you guys do this as well a lot too, but let's just compare notes on this one. A pet peeve I have is that people just hand me their resume and they say I'm looking for a job. And, and, and basically, they're like, I'm the job shop, right? It's like, again, they're not doing any work. And half the time I look at and I and I can't understand their objectives. You know, it's not clear about where they want to go. It only tells me about where they've been. And half the time I hand it back to them and I say, you know what? Instead of talking about where you've been, let's talk about where you want to go. Because I'd rather help you move to your next chapter than repeat your last one. I love that. I love that. that. Really good. You know, uh, here, here, I, I'm not even answering my own question, but here's one thing I, I feel like I, I, I catch myself saying all the time to anyone that approaches me and talks to me about networking um, is they ask, though, when should I be networking? And <laughs> I, so this is, I, I think this is the most, uh, I, this is the advice I give the most, which is, if you're networking because you need to, and that's the only time you network, you're doing late. it all wrong. And it's too late. <laughs> yep. It's already too late. Yeah. Networking should not be something that only happens during a season of need. The best time to network is actually when you don't need anything so yeah. that when the season comes and it will come, I don't care who you are, a season will come where you need something or someone or some connection or some resource or whatever it might be. And when that season comes, if, if you haven't already done the work and put in the time, effort, and energy of building a network, then you're always going to look like that needy person who wants to take and never add value. But if you do it beforehand, when that season comes, you already have the relationships, you already have the resources and the connections that you need to fulfill whatever need that you have. And I, and, I, and I feel like my generation needs to hear that more than any other generation for whatever reason. Amen. You know, the Chinese proverb says, dig a well before you're thirsty. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and I, 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 like, I like to remember our ABCs. You know, it, it, in sales, it's always be closing. But I think really a better ABC is always be connecting. And, mm, and that, I, I, say, I think, is just if we just remember that. I mean, I forget this so many times because I'm, I'm running my businesses, I'm doing client work and all the rest, and I think, well, I'm with people all the time, but I'm not meeting new people if I don't think about doing that intentionally. So that's part of uh, that mindset, always be connecting. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, this is probably a good time to take a pause from this episode and thank our listeners who've supported the Bold Idea Podcast. You are the reason we exist. This is a nonprofit. That means we don't make profit off of doing this. This <laughs> costs money. So if you're the people exactly. out there that are supporting us and donating to us, you're the reason that we've been able to do this for over a year. And we'd love to be able to do this for another year or two and bring on more amazing guests. So we would love your support. If you feel so led, just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And thank you again. I'm curious. So to that to that topic, Larry, sort of the the you know being very mindful and proactive about it. How do the two of you go about a managing sort of your network? You know, from a very tactical standpoint, a CRM, whatever it might be. 
to also how do you manage the network? You know, how do you make sure you're staying in touch with certain people? How do you connect certain people? Can you speak to that a little bit? I'll let you go, Army. <laughs> oh, man. I, I shouldn't even be answering this because it's just lazy and crappy. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I take people's information, put it into my contacts, and I use my notes quite a bit. So in the notes section of my iPhone, I, I put where I met them, what we may have talked about, who may have connected us, um, stuff like that. But I, I don't really have much of a... Uh, follow-up process other than when they come to my mind for whatever reason, I'll just check in on them and it'll be very informal. Um, if they're okay with texting, I'll text them. If they're not, I'll give them a call, leave them a message. I don't even care if they call back. I just want them to know that I thought about them. But I don't, I don't really have a tactical or strategic approach to this other than I always follow up after the initial meeting, whether that's a uh, a thank you card or an email just to uh, tell them something very specific that I was appreciative of in our in our conversation. Other than that, I don't I don't really have much of a tactical approach to what I do or how I'd follow up. I, how about you, Larry? I have a relational database that I score every contact with, and uh, they go into a calendar system, and I reach out to fifteen hundred people every day. No, You're I, right. <laughs> all of that was facetious. I pretty much, oh my goodness! I, I, I pretty much do I'm what like, Armin does, which is which is I keep track of people in notes that I think I might forget. Somebody that tells me about their children, I write down their children's names, their spouse names, all that in my contact uh, list. Which I have to be a little bit careful of because if you use that, it, it it is a little bit of a trouble because sometimes I might share somebody's contact with someone else, and I did have. A guy that did that with me, he shared his contact card with me, and I had to call him back, and I said, um, I don't think you want to be sharing your contact card. He says, why is that? I said, well, because you have your social security number, your credit card numbers, your your pins, <laughs> and all that stuff on your contact card. So you basically gave me your financial wallet. <laughs> no. Oh, brother. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, so be oh, careful kind of what you put in things that you might share with others. But, no, to answer your question, Ryan, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of what Armin does. I use LinkedIn quite a bit. I don't use the LinkedIn notes. Um, I've used Contactually. I've moved away from that. I'm actually looking at a couple other systems. Um, and I'll, probably Excel has been one of those things where I'll dump my LinkedIn contacts into Excel. For some reason, it helps me just sort through them and... Um, I think there's probably better approaches to do it, but I have to say I don't have a systematic way of keeping up with uh, contacts. I, I dumped contactually because I just have so many contacts, it took me forever to organize them. And then when I couldn't keep up with my intended goals for contact connections, I just kind of I felt, I felt technology shamed, you know, <laughs> by not, by not <laughs> keeping up with the treadmill. So I just dumped it all together and relieved myself of the stress. You know, I, I, I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast uh, the other day, and I found it really interesting what his strategy is. And we all know Tim Ferriss, the four-hour workweek guy. His strategy is, you know, he used to try to keep all these different contacts. And naturally, a guy like that has probably a lot of people he knows. His strategy now is, I only want to know a couple of people in every key area. I keep their contact information handy. And I know as long as I know them, I can find who I really need to get to. 
And I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm not saying that's maybe for the layperson like us, but um, certainly it's an interesting strategy. I do know an individual, a business leader here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, who uses Excel, kind of like you, Larry, but he sort of takes it to the next level. And what he does is he groups people in different categories. Maybe it's by industry, by age, by uh, profession, and, and so on. And what he likes to try to do is at least once a week, he tries to uh, introduce one person from a different grouping, if you will, to try to expand his network or their network, really, for their benefit, not for his but he thinks that gives some real nice cross-pollination. I think it's really interesting. Hmm. You know, like you two, I've dabbled with different things, one-page CRM, um, Excel, you know, just using my Outlook contacts, index cards even I've dabbled with. And what's your favorite um, right now? Right now, I'm kind of a paper guy. Hmm. Um, you know why? Is because I Going like to school. be able to... It's old school, but to your point, having too many contacts, I just look at a spreadsheet and it's kind of nauseating. But if I take down maybe my top 100 that I have that I want to reach out to, say, in the next month or two months, whatever it might be, if I have them on paper, I guess it wouldn't have to be on paper, but I'm much more intentional about it. And the other thing that I've developed um, on paper is sort of a contact key pieces. You know, I want to know their kids and et cetera, et cetera. And so key pieces of information that I'm capturing every time I'm meeting with them. So, anyways, for me, I've kind of dabbled in different areas, but I was curious what uh, what the two of you do as well. You know what I've what I've realized in terms of the follow up process that's been really uh, effective for me, and this isn't a strategy, and and I hope this doesn't get used and abused in a sleazy way, but um, that in my prayer time. If somebody comes to mind and uh, I pray for them or I get something specific or just the fact that I prayed for them and I feel like um, it's worth sharing that I prayed for that person, um, I I realize just a lot of times that I've reached out to whoever that person might be, just say, hey, your your name came up during Mm -hmm. my devotional and prayer time and I just felt like it was important for you to know that I'm praying for you today. that's always been so incredibly well received and not in the, um, you know, Hey, thanks guy responses, but it's, I mean, it's opened up crazy conversations, um, where people have just gotten extremely vulnerable with me, um, where we've had very vulnerable conversations around family and marriage and kids. And I mean, man, I, I, I can't even, think of all the crazy conversations that have come out of that. But uh, I, I just know that's something that's worked very well for me. Is I, But again, just prefacing that I genuinely did pray for them, spent time on it. It wasn't some kind of tactic to just start conversation up again. It is something that I actually did and their name actually did come up. You know, that's really, I I love that. I mean, and I like the point that you made. It wasn't just some kind of tactic. What I like to do when God brings somebody to mind for me is what I like to do is call them and and especially if I can catch their voicemail, you know, because 90% of the time, you know, you all know we're going to catch their voicemail. So when I do, um, I, I just want to leave them a message saying, you know, I was thinking about you and, and here's what I really appreciate. This is what came to mind when I thought about you today. And that is just for you. There's no need for a call back. I hope you have a great day. 
and that's it. You know, and I just basically saying, I'm not expecting you to call me back in any way. And then I get texts or call back from people and really appreciative of that. And I think it sometimes helps warm up a connection that might have gone cold for a while. Um, and I think that that's a good thing to do. Uh, even you know, for the warmest of connections, you know, like your spouse, never stop telling them how much you care for them and what you appreciate about what they're doing, <laughs> who they right. are. Totally. You know, a follow-up though. I have one thing that I have found. I want to just, I want to just get your opinion about this, but I found one thing that uh, is something that I keep in mind. And when I talk to people like my kids or whatever about networking habits, I tell them this, always keep the ball. And what I mean by that is don't expect them to have to do the work of following up. You know, you, you say, I'll check in with you in a couple days later, or I'll, you know, as opposed to saying, think about that and get back to me. You know, how people get busy. So why not just keep the ball? Uh, how does that work for you? Do you guys do that? I love that. I mean, and certainly in the, the relationships where I uh, have, you know, been the, the individual to reach out and ask for a meeting, absolutely. I think that you have to keep the ball because, in, and really, if you think about it the other way, as you know, we're meeting with individuals and in job transition, and I kind of keep coming back to that as an example because it's an easy one. But I sort of lose a little respect. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. Maybe that's not the right word. But I, I lose some interest in going out of my way to continue to help them if they sort of, to use your analogy, drop the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a super important point and a great one to make. What do you think, Armin? Um, here's here's what came to mind when you asked that question is, um, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about a few specific people um, that I met with that, you know, I, I, I look at them like, man, you, you have arrived and you, you, you are the person I would love to be someday if all the stars aligned, right? Like I, 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 there's certain people I just remember idolizing. And one of the things that really stood out to me was, uh, you know, keeping your analogy of keeping the ball. They followed up with me before I could follow up with them. And it, I don't know, it just communicated something um, so significant about that person to me where I just realized that, they are the type of people, regardless of what status they achieve or what kind of success they get in life, that they have never lost their humility and they've never lost mm-hmm. their appreciation for people. And even though I, I I couldn't find a singular way to add value to them, they still appreciated their time with me. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe how much more respect I have for this person. They not only went out of their way to give me their time, but they followed up with me before I could follow up with them to thank me for that time. And they just became some of the most memorable people to me. I will never forget them because of that. And even though that was my ball to carry, I just, those, those people, I, I, I don't know. They just, they have a level of respect for me and admiration for me that I'll never forget. Yeah, I think that's a great, great tip. Just be the first to follow up is good. I also appreciate and they're and noteworthy. I, I, one of the things that I think is true about networking, and Ryan, at the top of the show, you pointed out how unusual Armin is in his networking. So it's memorable, right? And and so doing something that's unexpected helps people see um, that there's 
something unique about you, you know, and, and from that movie Finding Forrester, you know, the, the main character there tells the, the kids some dating advice. He says, an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. And when we can do something unexpected, it's really, uh, it really stands out. And one of the things that I have really noted, just like you had, Armin, about the person that responded to you in the way that they did, when somebody down the road, like a month or two later, sends me an article about a conversation that we had that they knew that I had an interest in, boy, that really says a lot, doesn't it? It says, A, they right. were paying attention, and B, it wasn't just a you know, pass through the night, a quick uh, you know, exchange, and now we're off to somebody else, that, that it was important. It was important enough to remember and then to send something on. I really do appreciate those in my network that send me links to articles and things that they know I have an interest in. And that, to me, yeah. are the kind of network, that's the kind of network I want to cultivate and develop. And I think I want to be for them, my uh, people as well, the people in my network. I love that. I love that. You know, I read an inter- interesting book uh, recently that uh, a recruiter friend of mine who's an exceptional networker recommended, and that was Giftology by John Rulin. And his premise is, you know, kind of what you were saying, Larry, how do you be different? How do you stand out? How do you cultivate those relationships? Now, his idea is to... Pr- to provide something unique and of value. He goes into quite a bit of detail around what gifts to provide and so forth, but at the, you know, at the at a minimum I love your point. I remember giving sending a client a subscription to Airplane or Plane and Pilot magazine, I think it was called. And, you know, a $10 gift went so far because of exactly what you said, Larry, that, you know, he knew that I'd listened to him. I started to understand him as a person. I I recognized that you know, there are things he does outside of work. And to the extent that we can do that, I think that brings a lot of value to that individual and it keeps you top of mind, which I think is really important. Yeah, I got a great example of that, Ryan. Uh, I, I met with a guy, one of the, an executive, um, pretty much like you were saying, uh, Armin, somebody who, you know, is pretty kind of high-ranking guy. And um, we, we had a lunch together or, or a coffee meeting, I forget, and I loved his notepad. I liked the color of it, and I, I just commented, where did you get that? I, I've been looking for one that's that color. And he says, oh, I just got it over at Office Depot or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we just passed on. Two days later, that was in my mailbox. He sent it to me. I mean, I was planning to go that's to Office cool. Max, but he, he got got that pad to me before I could even get there. And now, do you think that that stands out? Absolutely. Every time I think of that guy, I think of the fact that he took that action to do that for me. And he didn't need to. Oh, there wasn't any conversation other than, oh, I I think that's kind of cool. Where did you get it? That's brilliant. I'm curious, if there's somebody that you really want to get in front of, for whatever reason, how do you go about doing it? I, I, first of all, try to find out who they might know. Uh, yep. and, and start with, you know, the simple LinkedIn, LinkedIn has been the most powerful networking tool that has uh, come about in the last, you know, 25 years. And, and I try to find people that I might know that know them and, uh, and it just takes some time and some effort. Um, but, uh, sometimes if I can't, I just reach out to them and I have to have a compelling reason, but it goes back to research. You know, what to, what can I learn about that person? What can I learn by who they're connected to? What can I learn about what they write about? I have to find a reason for them to want to have a conversation with me. And then I try to keep it as low of a bar as possible. Could it be an email exchange? Um, could it be a 10-minute conversation? You know, what is the smallest ask I can come of, come with to, uh, to talk to that person about? 
What about you, Ryan? No, I think that's great. I, I don't know that I have a lot of different ideas. One of the things that Larry and I were brainstorming actually the other day over lunch is, um, you know, really what value can you provide outside of uh, really what you do for a living? And because when you come with what you do for a living, um, the natural response is that you're selling and, you know, I don't want to, you know, in my case, I don't want to talk to a banker. I've already got a banker, whatever it might be. But if you can come with something compelling that's different than a typical banker might come with, for example, all of a sudden, maybe there's a little bit more reason to meet. So maybe it's instead of helping uh, boost their bottom line of their business, which most of us bankers do, maybe there's a way, a uh, connection you can make or something that you can do to help boost their, bot- or their top line. So I think, you know, I think that one of the things I really took from our last meeting, Larry, was that and thinking about how can I think about it from not my perspective and what Theirs. I want to gain, but how can I bring something of value to them that will make them want to meet with me, but also where I can truly provide something important. How about you, Armin? How do you approach that? I'm totally with you. That's why I deferred to you because I knew you were going to say exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> my 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 go-to strategy is always use um, someone that I know to connect me to that person. I'm 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 always looking for the warm introduction, um, and if, if I can't if I can't get a warm introduction, then uh, I'll, I'll find a way to email them, call them, LinkedIn message them, whatever. But that's usually a last ditch effort. Yeah, you know when we meet new people, it's always helpful to remember what. Heidi Grant Halverson writes about in her book, No One Understands You and What to Do About It. She says, when we meet people for the first time, whether it's conscious or unconscious, the first question we ask ourselves is, can I trust them? Are they friend or foe? Will they take advantage of me or will they respect me? Will they cost me more than I'm willing to pay or will they bring more benefit than I might expect? And so when we remember that's the question that people ask, then it's better for us to tap into those who know us already that can vouch on our behalf and and help with that introduction because it helps lower that. If our connection comes from a trusted network, then that whole trust question is is set aside and you know, the guard's not up in the same way that it might be if it were a cold call. Totally. Hey, this has been a great discussion, guys. And I know that our audience is probably steeped with more questions than pre- hopefully uh, even more answers, which we would love to have. And we would invite our, our show listeners to get in on the conversation by joining the show podcast at uh, Bold Idea Podcast slash seven zero, because that's where you'll find the show notes. And we'd love for you to leave us a comment there or call our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332. Well, Ryan, we want to thank you again for being a part of this podcast. It was such a great conversation that we were able to have with you. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was so good to have you. And so this is Larry Gates. Armin Asadi. And Ryan Carlson. Saying so long and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.